Act One, Part Two of Charlie's Aunt by Brandon Thomas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charlie's Aunt, a play in three acts by Brandon Thomas. Act One, Part Two. Jack goes up to front of fireplace. Kitty off. Oh, yes, here it is. Here's the name. Amy, off. Oh, so it is. Mr. Chesney. I wonder if they're in. Off stage knock. Jack, to Charlie at chair. Here they are, and your aunt's not come yet. Rushes to mantelpiece to see the time. Notices photographs, slants them face down, arranges tie, smooths hair all in a hurry, returns below table center. Charlie rises, getting behind Jack. Good gracious, what shall we do? Also trying to see in mirror. Re-enter Brasset, up left. Goes to door left. Oh, let them come in, we can explain. Crossing left center below table. Show them in, Brasset. Brasset opens door, showing in Kitty and Amy. Closes door, and goes up back center. And then exits up left. Jack shaking hands with Kitty. How do you do? Shaking hands with Amy. So kind of you to come. Oh, we were very pleased to be able to come. They both cross to table right. Charlie joins Amy left. Weren't we, Amy? Oh, yes. To Charlie. Mr. Wickham, are we too early? Oh, no, no. They shake hands and move up to center table together. Charlie, in his nervousness, backs into the chair, then offers it to Amy. She sits chair left of table. Yes, Mr. Chesney, you didn't mention any time. Jack gives chair. Kitty sits left of writing table. Oh, not at all, not at all. We're delighted. Going to fireplace to look at clock. Aside. She'll be here soon. Enter Lord Fancourt up left in his shirt sleeves to center upstage. Sees girls and bolts back up left. Jack and Charlie in terror the girls may see him. Charlie, from behind table, leans over table, hides the drink, etc., with his hat, on table. Brasset takes tray from table and off through recess up left, leaving whiskey decanter. Charlie leans forward talking to Amy and screening whiskey with his hat, at the same time signaling with his hand behind his back to Jack. Kitty, sitting. And this is where you think and study and do all your work and everything. Jack rapidly takes decanter from table, hides it in fireplace, and returns to chair behind writing table. Oh, yes, we do a lot of that sort of thing here. Sits. You've jolly quarters here. Jack and Kitty continue to talk aside. Charlie to Amy. I am so glad you were able to come here today. You are off to Scotland tomorrow, and we shall miss you so much. Yes, Uncle always takes us to some dreadfully remote place at this time of the year, where we never see a soul, and it's so dreary. Why does he? I don't know. Oh, it's a shame. Why? Are you sorry we're going? Sorry? Why, it's put me and Jack into a perfect fever... That's why we were so anxious to see you here today. It's lucky Uncle is away in town, or I don't think we could have come. Why? I don't know. 
but he always raises such odd objections. And then you know he's so peculiar with Kitty. Why? She's an heiress, you know, and he's her guardian. They talk aside. Jack ardently. Miss Verdun, have you forgotten that dance the other night? I never shall. No. No. Those stolen moments in the garden by ourselves were the very happiest of all my life. And out there in the moonlight, our moonlight is the true atmosphere for... for sentiment. I wonder how many people have said that. Jack, let down a little. Kitty, I know when you like you can be an awful plague, but today you are quite cynical. I know I am. I'm thinking of that man. Of what man? Of my guardian, Mr. Spettigue, who hurries us away from all our best friends directly we get to know anyone really well, for fear of... For fear of what? Kitty, evasively. Oh, I don't know. Why does he? Kitty looking up and smiling. Because he's a selfish, wicked old man. Are you, really, so sorry to go away? No, I'm angry. But don't speak about it any more, or as Amy says, I shall cry. Amy, rising and speaking to Charlie as they come down left a little. What a dear, sweet old lady your aunt must be, Mr. Wickham. I am longing to know her. Where is she? Charlie, aside. Jack? Rapidly, in agonized aside and beckoning Jack, who goes to him. Where's my aunt? Jack whispers something in his ear and turns away. Charlie not catching it. What? Jack shrugs shoulders hopelessly and returns to Kitty. Kitty and Amy see nothing of this last scene, which must be played rapidly. Charlie to Amy, hesitatingly. Oh, well, she's hardly arrived yet. Amy, surprised. No, oh. Crosses to Kitty. Kitty? Mr. Wickham's aunt hasn't come yet. Kitty, rising. Hasn't come? Crossing to center. Oh. Turning to Jack. Then we must... We'll run and do some shopping and come back. Shan't be long. Goodbye. Kitty crosses Amy to left entrance. Charlie has worked round to door, which he opens. Jack follows. Amy to Jack. Goodbye. Goodbye. Kitty to Charlie at door. Goodbye. Amy to Charlie at door, rather sadly. Goodbye. Exit left. Kitty first, then Amy. Charlie at door. Goodbye. Bye. Slight pause. Jack and Charlie look at each other blankly. Both sit on center table and shake hands. See that? Off like a shot when they found your aunt wasn't here. Makes an awful difference, doesn't it? Jack, hurrying Charlie off, left. Now look here. You cut off to the station and bundle the old girl here in a fly. Charlie picks up his hat from table. Charlie, turning at door. The old? Girl? What do you mean? Well, your aunt. And I'll see after the lunch and keep an eye on Babs. Charlie, going. All right, I... Returning. I say, Jack, I feel happier since I've seen them. Don't you? Jack, impatiently. Yes, be off. Going towards writing table. Exit Charlie, left. Enter Lord Fancourt in shirt sleeves and waistcoat, up left. Comes down left of Jack, cautiously. Jack turns and sees Lord Fancourt. I say, old chap, have you got any hairpins? 
Enter Brasset up left, coming down to sideboard. Hairpins? Great Scott, no! May I send you a man for some? Yes, certainly. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack. I say, have you got sixpence? Jack feeling hurriedly and impatiently in pockets. No, afraid not. Why, you haven't got anything. Aside to Brasset. I say, Brasset, I give you half a crown just now. Do you mind making it two shillings and getting me sixpenny worth of hairpins? Brasset with a look. Certainly, my lord. You can keep the change. Exit Brasset left. I say, Jack, were those the girls? Yes, but what the deuce made you jump out like that? They might have seen you. I didn't know they were here. Off stage knock at outer door left. Look out, there's somebody else. Lord Fancourt bolts and exits door up left. By George, there was a lot of hope in what Kitty said. In another minute I'd have told her that I... Going to table right, back turn to door left. But never mind, everything's going on splendidly. Knock repeated. Come in. Enter Sir Francis Chesney left. Colonel Sir Francis Chesney, Baronet, late Indian service. Tall, good-looking, smart in appearance and manner, wears small military mustache, actually fifty-one, but looking nearer forty. Very smart, cheery and young in manner. Wears brown lounge suit, bowler hat, and carries gloves and malacca walking stick. He has just arrived from London. Jack. Jack, turning, surprised and delighted. Dad. My dear boy. They shake hands. Dear old Dad, what brings you here? Wherever have you come from? From town, my lad, to have a chat with you and to bring you your check. Puts hat, stick, and gloves on sideboard. Thanks, Dad, you're a brick. Sir Francis, smiling. A bit overbaked, my boy, after all my years in India. Coming center below table. A bit crisped, Dad, but a humbug pictorially. Am I? How do you make that out? How old are you? What do you say to fifty? Fifty? One. Who'd believe it? And you, Jack, seem much older than I was at your age. I suppose it's the times. Even the old college shows it. New ivy, new paint. Looking towards window. Both center, backs to audience, looking at college through window. Alma mater's an old beauty still, Dad. They turn facing audience again. I suppose she is, by aid of the gentle artifices of the toilet. Cheerfully and unconcernedly. Well, we all grow old. Sits on center table. Sir Francis takes out pocketbook containing check already made out to Jack, and a bundle of bills pinned together, with one very long one among them. And as presentably as possible, why, dear old Dad, even you at fifty... One... Fifty years ago would have been a stout, white-haired, or bald-topped, booted, domineering old boy, and instead here you are, a smart, bang-up-to-date sort of chap one can talk to like a chum. Now how have you done it? I don't know. Do you drink? All I want. Eat well? Never noticed. There you are. Consequently, health good, temper perfect. We're going to be great pals, Dad. Sir Francis, handing check. Here you are, my boy. There's your check to go on with. Gives check, looking at bills. Thanks, Dad. Sees amount of check. Smiles to Sir Francis. 
I haven't seen half enough of you. Sir Francis, holding up bills. I see your hospitality. I hope, Dad. <laughs> Never mind, same when I was a lad. Jack, looking at Long Bill. I've been done over that wine monstrously. Were you? Never mind, so was I. They laugh. Sir Francis rises. They both move towards table right. Done over everything monstrously at college. But settle up, settle up. Jack back of table. Sir Francis left of it. I'm very satisfied with you. It's something to go down from college with a record like yours. Picks up cigar box and opens it. I say, my boy, where the deuce did you get these cigars? Jack, casually. Those dead? Sir Francis, putting box down, sits left by writing table. Ah, that accounts for the bills. And now, my lad, we must begin to think. Jack sits at writing table. Think? Now that I have come into the family title, as you know, I have also, which you don't know, come into the family debts and difficulties. Debts? Which are far more than I expected, with the result that all the money I've been saving for you in India goes to pay them. And in short, Jack, you and I, for the next few years, will be, comparatively speaking, poor men. Jack rises and crosses behind desk to center. Poor men? Aside. This settles me with old spectacle. Sir Francis, rising. However, I'm in hopes of a small appointment for you. Jack turns, hopefully. In Bengal. Goes to fireplace. Re-enter Brasset, left. Bengal, what a horrible place. Turns, sees Brasset as he passes up stage left. To him, irritably. What is it, Brasset? Brasset, holding up by a fine string loop, a tiny brown paper packet, aside to Jack. His lordship's hairpin, sir. Confound his hairpins! Brasset exits up left. Aside, recollecting. By George, the dad'll be an odd one. I must get rid of Babs somehow if the dad stays. Suddenly. Stays? Why not? Aloud. Dad, I've an idea. Sir Francis turns and comes center to Jack. Couldn't this matter be settled by a wealthy marriage? No, that's the sort of thing I'd rather deprecate. I don't think. Jack, I'd... Uh, listen, my chum, that is Charlie Wycombe's aunt, Dona Lucia Dalvadores, is coming here to lunch today. She's a widow. Sir Francis, dubiously. A widow? And a millionaire. Sir Francis, more hopefully. And a millionaire? And a charming woman. No, Jack, I don't think I'd advise you to do a thing of this kind merely for the sake of money. No, not me, Dad, you. Me? You young rascal. Attempts to punch Jack. Jack dodges under his upraised arm to fireplace right. No, no, I shall never marry again. Goes towards sideboard. Jack bringing him back again by the arm. Dad, think it over. Where are your things? At the hotel. Don't be rash. Go and change. Make yourself look as nice as possible. Come back to lunch at one o'clock and, Dad, put a flower in your buttonhole. Charlie, shouting off excitedly. 
I say, Jack! Enter Charlie left, hurriedly with telegram. Almost runs into Sir Francis. Jack introducing. Oh, Dad, Charlie Wycombe? Charlie, my father. Sir Francis shakes hands with Charlie. Glad to know you, my boy. Glad to know you. Jack to Sir Francis aside. Her nephew. Nice boy. You'll like him. Sir Francis to Charlie. <laughs> I thought it was the fire brigade. Charlie laughs, goes up left behind table to fireplace. Now don't forget, put a flower in your buttonhole. Takes years off a man, a flower in his buttonhole. Sir Francis turning and taking hat, stick, and gloves from sideboard. No, Jack, you come and lunch with me at the mitre. At door left. Now don't be rash, Dad. See her first, see her first. Sir Francis putting his hat on jauntily. All right, Jack, I'll have a look at her. Smiling. I'll have a look at her. Exit left. Jack to Charlie. Well, what is it? Charlie, excited and anxious, gives telegram. Read that. Jack reads. Important business don't expect me for a few days. Lucia Dalvadoris. Excitedly. No. She's not coming. But she must. Go. Wire. Telegraph. No use. There's no time. Goes up to window. But hang it. The girls won't remain without a chaperone. What are we to do? Couldn't we ask the proctor's wife, old Mrs... Looks out of window. Jack, gloomily. Who'd sit and stare like an owl. Charlie turning to Jack. Uh, here they are. They're coming. Again looking out of window. Jack sitting on table center. What on earth are we to do? Lord Fancourt off up left. I say, Jack, come and look at me. Jack irritably turning up stage and going up left. What the deuce is it? Opens door, looks off, starts back a step in amazement. By George! Splendid! To Charlie. Charlie, come here quickly. Do you know what a pious fraud is? Charlie crosses to Jack up center. Charlie surprised and puzzled. Pious fraud? First cousin to a miracle. Pushes Charlie across him. Look. Charlie looks off up left. What is it? Babs, your aunt. Babs? Turning upon Jack. My aunt? It's the only one you've got, so you'll have to make the best of her. Pushes Charlie down to right, drops down left. Lord Fancourt, off. I say, look here. Enter Lord Fancourt, dressed as an old lady, in black satin, fichu, wig, cap, etc. Stands smiling. How's this? Then walks down left, smiling benignly. Charlie looks on in amazement. Jack with determined satisfaction. As laughter subsides, Jack speaks. Splendid. Loud knock, outer door, left. Lord Fancourt looking at door in a fright. Who's that? Offers to bolt. Jack seizing him by shoulders. The girls. Lord Fancourt looking at Jack. The girls? Charlie's aunt can't come. Can't she? I'll go and take these things off. Turns to Bolt up left. Jack grabs him, assisted by Charlie. No, they won't stop if you do. Won't stop? What do you mean? You must be Charlie's aunt. Lord Fancourt in dismay. 
Me? No. Charlie seizes Lord Fancourt by right arm, Jack holding his left arm. Lord Fancourt backs a little and sinks down. They then slide him across to chair left of writing table. Lord Fancourt rises twice and each time is pushed down again by Charlie, who then gives chair a kick backwards with the heel of his right foot, careful to kick chair while it appears to audience as if he had kicked Lord Fancourt, who writhes. Jack leaves him and goes to meet girls. Charlie stands left of the chair so as to hide Lord Fancourt from door left. Brasset enters up left. Show them in, Brasset. Brasset opens door left. Enter Kitty and Amy, carrying bunch of flowers and tissue paper. Jack joins them. Lord Fancourt makes an arch of Charlie's right arm and looks through it to see what girls are like, much to Charlie's annoyance. Charlie, furious, smacks Lord Fancourt's face. He actually hits own arm. Lord Fancourt draws back as though his face had been hit, clamping his hand over his nose and mouth. Ah, you've got back. So glad. Brasset exits, up left. Yes, we've been longer than we intended, but I wanted to get some flowers for Charlie's aunt. Has she come? Yes. Has she? I hope she's come. Oh, yes, she's come. Jack crosses right centre. Kitty and Amy follow. Charlie moves up to clear Lord Fancourt. Jack introducing. Donna Luzia, Miss Pettigrew, Miss Verdun. Girls... Donna Luzia Dalvadores, Charlie's aunt. Charlie moves up right a little. Jack crosses rapidly behind Lord Fancourt, stands right of him. Slight pause. Jack, aside to Lord Fancourt. Go on, say something. Lord Fancourt stares at them blankly, and, after a pat, How do you do, my dears? We called upon you before, Donna Lucia, but you hadn't arrived. Amy, crossing Kitty, goes to Lord Fancourt and giving flowers. And we've brought you these. Lord Fancourt taking flowers. Oh, thank you. Amy joins Charlie. They move upright. I hope your journey from town hasn't tired you. Oh, no. It was very jolly. Jack prods him. Pleasant, I mean. Kitty goes up to Amy and Charlie. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack, holding up flowers. What the deuce am I to do with these things? Jack, aside to Lord Fancourt. Stick them in your dress. Fancourt puts flowers in dress, tries to see over them, can't, so parts them and peers between. Brasset enters, comes down centre to speak to Lord Fancourt, sees flowers, can't speak. Lord Fancourt winks at him. Brasset nearly explodes and turns to sideboard hurriedly. Amy, at back of table, to Charlie. You look worried, Mr. Wickham. Are you ill? No, I'm anxious. I'm... Jack, coming to the rescue. He's a little affected at meeting his aunt today for the first time. Aside to Lord Fancourt, prodding him. Why the dickens don't you say something? What the dickens am I to say? Talk about the weather. Lord Fancourt aloud to girls. Charming weather? Oh yes, delightful. Oh, oh, yes, yes it, is it is charming. charming. Brasset at door left. Well, college gents'll do anything. Brasset exits. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack. You know, you're placing me in a terribly false position. Amy, coming down right to Lord Fancourt. May I arrange these for you, Donna Lucia? Lord Fancourt takes flowers out of dress and hands her them. After all, you know... 
We have some nice weather sometimes in poor old England. Turns to Charlie, then joins Kitty at center table. Charlie then goes left of Lord Fancourt. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack. What on earth does she mean by that? Why, you're a foreigner. A foreigner? What did you say my name was? Donna Luzia Dalvadores. What am I? Irish? No, English. Married a Portuguese abroad. A widow. From Brazil. And a millionaire. Lord Fancourt to Charlie. I say, Charlie, have I any children? No, you fool. Charlie kicks chair as before. Lord Fancourt hurriedly rubs leg as though hurt. Brasset enters with tray, places it on center table, arranges the luncheon things, standing below table, back to audience. Kitty and Amy help during following scene. Brasset also arranges three single chairs, two behind one end of table left. Well, one ought to know. That's all right. Now I can go on ahead. Yes, it is wonderful weather for England. Yes, it is. Yes. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack, rising. Shall I take them to see the chapel in the cloisters? Jack and Charlie pull him back violently in the chair. No, you leave that to me and Charlie. We'll attend to them. Kitty, coming down left of table to Lord Fancourt. Of course... Oxford is all very new to you, Donna Lucia, but it's a dear old place in any weather. Amy and I will show you all about. I shall be delighted. Rises. They push him back, as before. Kitty to Lord Fancourt again. You're staying till tomorrow, are you not? Lord Fancourt aside to Jack. Am I staying until tomorrow? Jack quickly and rather loudly. No. Lord Fancourt quickly and very loudly. No! The girls turn round in surprise. Oh. Returns to left of table, helps to lay lunch. Oh, but you will, you must. To Kitty. Mustn't she, Kitty? Charlie, anxiously. I'm afraid Auntie can't stay after today. Kitty joins Amy up centre. No, you see, it's my washing day. Crosses legs. Charlie, who is standing left of him, Pushes Lord Fancourt's knee down again. Charlie to girls, explaining. She has so much business to attend to in town. Joins girls. Yes, lawyers, stocks. Yes, stocks and socks. Jack punches him. Oh, very important, you know. Amy comes down left of Lord Fancourt. Oh, I'm so sorry. We have so longed to know you. Have you, my dear? Takes Amy's hand. Mr. Wickham has told us so much about you that he has made us quite love you. Kitty sits right corner of window seat. Charlie comes down behind Amy. Lord Fancourt slipping his left arm round Amy's waist. Has he, my dear? Charlie takes Lord Fancourt's arm away angrily. Lord Fancourt replaces it. Charlie pulls it away again. Amy kneels. Lord Fancourt slips his arm round her shoulders and gives her a quick little hug and both the boys a look of triumph. Charlie, furious, crosses to left. Goes up, knocks off cap from figure, returns down left, and sulks. Amy, kneeling by Lord Fancourt. And he's so grateful. He says he owes everything to you and never could repay you, and, oh, he is such a good, frank, upright man. It was noble of you. Of course, my dear. 
taking his arm from round her quietly. It was only my duty to see after the welfare of my poor brothers. Jack aside to Lord Fancourt quickly. Sisters, you fool, I... Lord Fancourt to Amy, repeating. Sisters, you fool. Correcting himself. <laughs> Sisters. With aggressive look at Jack. And... To Amy. Brother-in-law's orphan girl. Jack aside as before. Boy, boy. Lord Fancourt to Amy. Boy, boy. Aside to Jack. I'll say twins in a minute. Brassett, below table, back to audience, has during this scene been laying luncheon. Now exits left. Yes, but it was so good of you to find out. You were so far away in a foreign land, and you might have been left to starve or to fall into cruel hands. But you have a good, kind, affectionate nature. Have I, my dear? Anyone can see it in your face. No. I feel I could tell my whole heart to you. Looks away to Charlie left. Jack to Lord Fancourt aside. Don't let her. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack. I'm not going to, the dear little thing. Amy to Lord Fancourt. You don't mind my talking to you like this, do you? My dear, you are a very charming little girl, of whom I am sure I could soon grow very fond. Looks over Amy's head at Charlie and waves. Charlie shakes fist at him. And you must tell me all you like some day when you know me better. Amy again looks away to Charlie left. Lord Fancourt aside to Jack. How the devil is that? Oh. Rises. I feel I've known you years and years already. Kisses Lord Fancourt and joins Kitty in window. Sits left corner. Charlie flies at Lord Fancourt, pinching him viciously. Jack, same business on other side. Then both join girls at window. Lord Fancourt, aside. They're jealous. I'm very sorry, but it was very nice. Enter Brassett left, hurriedly to left center. Brassett to Jack, in an anxious manner, and half aside. Mr. Chesney, Mr. Chesney? Jack comes down to Brassett. I beg pardon, sir, but I heard Mr. Spedigue inquiring at the gate for your rooms, sir. Oh, oh dear. dear, my and uncle back! back. Mr. Spettigue. All rise, general consternation. All remain above center table. Jack aghast. Mr. Spettigue back? I thought he was in London. Returning to others above table. Brassett goes up left, draws curtains of recess. Mr. Chesney, I beg of you to send him away. Knock on outer door. Kitty, Amy, and Jack exit into recess. Brassett exits up left. Lord Fancourt looks scared at knock and bolts to window right, leaps onto window seat about to get out. Charlie turns, bolts after him, seizes him round waist as he is getting through window, carries him down stage, Lord Fancourt's feet, with soles showing to audience, spread out. Charlie plumps him down right center front. Lord Fancourt in terror, grabbing Charlie. What am I to say? What am I to do? Stay where you are, Babs. Tell him what you like, only get rid of him. Charlie exits quickly through curtains into recess. Fancourt stands right center. Knock again, louder. Spedigue off in a loud and angry voice. Why doesn't somebody answer this door? Stephen Spedigue is a well-to-do solicitor of about 56 to 60. 
rather stout, and when not in a temper has a charming smile, so that in spite of everything you can't help liking him. He has real charm of manner when he likes to use it. At other times he is pompous, self-opinionated, assertive, and not open to argument. He is grey-haired, and can be rather bald, wears small short side-whiskers a la Sir Edward Clark, dressed in a frock-coat, grey cloth waistcoat, wearing top-hat and carrying furled umbrella and gloves. This character should not be burlesqued. He is genuinely furious, but when he is charming he knows how to make that too seem genuine. Enter Spedigue angrily, with hat on, left, crossing to Lord Fancourt. Why doesn't somebody answer this door? Lord Fancourt, fixing him aggressively and backing him across stage to left, then suddenly to him, loudly. What do you want? I wish to see Mr. Chesney. Lord Fancourt pointing with closed fan. Where did you get that hat? Aggressively. Take it off, sir. Moving away a little to center. Spedigue removes hat, goes to table, and is about to sit chair left of table. Don't sit down, sir. Spedigue straightens hurriedly. I'm not sitting down. I didn't ask you to sit down. Spedigue coming down a little. We'll waive that for the present, ma'am. I wish to see Mr. Chesney at once. Well, you can't see him. He's not present. I am the only person present. But the porter told me that two young ladies, my niece and ward, were here. I tell you, I am the only young lady present. But he told me he saw them come in. Taps top of hat. And didn't he tell you he saw them go out? Taps hat twice with last two words with Fan. Spedigue loudly. No. Lord Fancourt just as loudly. Very well, then. What more do you want? They've gone into the garden. Turning upstage towards recess. Lord Fancourt turning with him. They've done nothing of the kind. Spedigue coming down left again. Then they've gone into the town. Going towards door left. Lord Fancourt coming down right. Well, why couldn't you think of that before? Crossing to Spedigue. And now, sir, having got all the information you are likely to get in your present condition. Eyeing him all over. Madam. Disgraceful. Where have you been? Moving way a little to centre. Spedigue following. What do you mean, madam? I am annoyed, but perfectly sober. Well, you don't look it. Moving to side of writing table. Other people can be annoyed as well as yourself. Sits chair left of it, and picks up timetable or other light book. Madam, I apologise. Good morning. Puts his hat on, turns, and goes towards left. As he turns to go, Lord Fancourt half rises, throws book, knocks Spedigue's hat off, then sits again chair left of table, assuming an unconscious air. This business is done by Spedigue putting his hat on lightly and slightly on one side. Lord Fancourt holds ABC in flat of right hand and half propels it out of his hand with an upward movement, catching the right side of hat and so sending the hat upstage. Done otherwise at any other angle, there is a danger of the brim of the hat hitting Spedigue's nose. Retrieves hat, pointing to it. Did you see anything strike that hat? I beg your pardon? Did you see anything strike that hat? Putting hat closer to him. Lord Fancourt aside. He wants me to do it again. 
Strikes hat with fan. Spedigue puts on hat and exits left angrily. Going upright towards recess, calling to girls. Oh, my dears. Re-enter Kitty and Amy, followed by Jack and Charlie. Kitty to Lord Fancourt. It was sweet of you. You darling! One on each side of Lord Fancourt, they kiss him. Look at him, Jack. I'll punch his head in if he does it again. Knock. Brassett enters, up left. To Charlie. Here's my father. Going down center to Lord Fancourt. Dona Lucia! Lord Fancourt comes down center to Jack. Charlie joins girls up right center. Aside to Lord Fancourt. Take care. Here's my father. Look here. Am I any relation to him? No, you're Charlie's aunt from Brazil. Brazil? Where's that? You know, uh, where the nuts come from. Lord Fancourt is hurried on to chair left of writing table. Charlie goes down left of Lord Fancourt, screening him from door as before. Jack center. Brassett opens door left for Sir Francis Chesney and waits to take his hat and stick. Enter Sir Francis Chesney. He has changed into frock coat, silk hat, stick, and carries gloves, and wears a deep cerise red carnation. Kitty and Amy upright center. Jack introducing to Kitty. Miss Verdun, my father. Delighted. Jack to Amy. Miss Pettigue, my father. Kitty and Amy bow. Charmed. Turns, sees Brassett. Brassett takes his hat and stick and places them on hat rack in recess. Exits. To Brassett. Thank you. Aside to Jack. Now, Jack, has she come? Oh, yes, she's come. Crossing to Charlie. Aside. Go on, Charlie. Introduce your aunt. Charlie to Lord Fancourt. Donna Lucia Delvadores, Sir Francis Chasney, Jack's father. Sir Francis stares at Lord Fancourt. How do you do, Sir Francis? How do you do? I'm Charlie's aunt from Brazil. Uh, where the nuts come from? Charlie gets before chair and kicks as before. Goes up stage and joins ladies in window. Lord Fancourt holds his leg in pain. Sir Francis aside to Jack. I say, Jack. Jack goes quickly to him. Yes. Is that the lady? Eh, uh, yes. Sir Francis points to flower in his buttonhole. Oh, by George. Turns towards door left. Jack catching his arm to stop him. Oh, don't go, Dad. Then crosses rapidly to Lord Fancourt. Aside hurriedly. Go on. Charlie's told you all about him. Goes right of Lord Fancourt. Lord Fancourt repeating like a parrot. To Sir Francis. Charlie's told you all about him. No, no. Lord Fancourt to Sir Francis. No, no. Jack whispering and prompting him. My nephew Charles. My nephew Charles has told me so much about you. Jack with a prod, aside. In his letters. In his letters. In his letters. Aside to Jack. That's all right, isn't it? Jack viciously. No, it isn't. Do it yourself. Looks sulky. Jack moves left of Lord Fancourt. I'm much obliged to Mr. Wycam, but I only met him today for the first time. Jack aside to Lord Fancourt. See? 
aloud to Sir Francis. Yes, but, Dad, I've been simply photographing you to Charlie for years. Lord Fancourt to Sir Francis, brightening. Oh, yes. He's a splendid photographer. Jack aside to Lord Fancourt. Remember, you've only just come to England, and you've never seen Charlie till today. Why the deuce didn't you say so before? Re-enter Brasset from recess. Jack. Jack comes quickly to Sir Francis. Aside to Jack. My dear boy, it's impossible. What, Dad? Sir Francis with a look towards Lord Fancourt. Well, look at her. Eh? Suddenly remembering his suggestion of marriage. Oh, good gracious. Luncheon is ready, sir. Takes dish cover to sideboard. Charlie brings Amy and Kitty to luncheon table, center. Amy left. Charlie stands left, upper corner of center table. Kitty top left. Jack, crossing to Lord Fancourt, aside. Uh, take my father and be careful how you talk to him. To Sir Francis. Dad, will you take Donna Luzia? Goes top right corner of table, taking chair from right end. Sir Francis, offering arm to Lord Fancourt. Allow me, Donna Lucia. Lord Fancourt rises, takes Sir Francis's arm, and they move up to table. You'll sit beside me, won't you, Sir Francis? Sir Francis takes chair from left end of writing table, places it at right end of center table for Lord Fancourt, who sits. Brasset gets chair from below door left, places it below center table for Sir Francis. They all sit. I shall be delighted. Sits center, back to audience. You've uh, traveled a great deal, I suppose. Oh, yes. I've been a great traveler, Sir Francis. I came all the way from London only this morning. Brasset looking about for champagne through this scene. Charlie serving mayonnaise. Donna Lucia, aunt. Aunt! Jack prods him. Mayonnaise? Lord Fancourt, sweetly. Thank you. Miss Pettigrew? Yes, please. Miss Verdun? Please. Lord Fancourt to Sir Francis. What a pretty flower. Do you like it? Offers it. Will you accept it? Oh, thank you. Takes flower, holding it out. I'll have it stuffed. Puts it in dress. Jack, mayonnaise? To Brasset. Open the wine, Brasset. Kitty to Jack. You have very pleasant rooms here, Mr. Chesney. Brasset pours claret into Sir Francis's glass and returns to sideboard to watch result. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they're awfully nice rooms, Mr. Chesney, I'm sure. Don't you think so, Sir Francis? Pleasanter today. With a look from Lord Fancourt to Amy. Than usual, I fancy. Dona Lucia, may I have the pleasure? Sips wine, puts glass down in disgust. Jack, my boy, where did you get this stuff? May I have a little water, please? Jack, to Brasset. Open the champagne, Brasset. I... I can't find it, sir. Lord Fancourt laughing to himself. Jack rising. Can't find it? Do you know where it is, Charlie? Looking about room, under table, etc. No. Looking in recess. Jack sternly to Brasset. What's become of it? I thought it was in ice. Lord Fancourt, who has been laughing to himself, taps table with spoon. They all look at him. What is it? 
What is it you want? The champagne, Donna Luzia. What? Haven't you got any? Well, I thought you'd forget something, so I brought some with me in my bag. In my bag, Brasset. Jack punches Lord Fancourt. Brasset takes bag off chair up left and goes to sideboard and takes out champagne. Enter Spedigue left in a rage with hat on. Ah! Amy, Kitty, Jack, and Charlie together all rise except Sir Francis. Spedigue, just inside door left, sees girls. So I was right after all, and that old fool of a woman told me they were not here. Lord Fancourt and girls come down right. Sir Francis rises, puts chair under table. Jack taking the bull by the horns, coming forward. Jack offering his hand, gaily. Oh, Mr. Spettigue. Don't address me, sir. Jack falls back a little. Spettigue to girls. And this is the way you take advantage of my absence? Mr. Spettigue. Don't address me, sir. I have no wish to hold any converse with you. Charlie, coming down a little left of table between Jack and Spettigue. But won't you allow us to explain? Spedigue pointing to Jack. My business is with this young man, sir, and not with you. Lord Fancourt, right, coming forward a little. But you won't listen to either of them. Go away, madam, and don't interfere. Where did you get that hat? Take it off, sir. Spedigue takes off hat, turning. Jack coming forward again, to Spedigue. You forget yourself, sir. Sir Francis, centre, with quiet tone of authority. Perhaps you will remember, sir, that ladies are present. Spedigue loftily. I disapprove of their presence and request them to return with me. We can discuss this matter on a more fitting occasion. Certainly. A most excellent suggestion. Let him call again. You're a very foolish old woman, and I must beg of you not to interfere. At door. Ladies, come. Kitty and Amy move forward reluctantly, but Lord Fancourt puts out his arms to bar the way, and they each take his arm instead. Sir, you cannot put such an affront upon Mr. Wycam's friends. I don't know them. I don't know them. Sir Francis to Charlie. Introduce me, Mr. Wycam. Charlie drops down stage a little. Mr. Spettigue? Sir Francis Chasney? Falls back. Spedigue barely acknowledges introduction. Mr. Chesney is my son, sir, and... Turning to Lord Fancourt. The lady is... Lord Fancourt standing between the two girls and affecting to be hurt. Pray don't introduce him to me. I have been sufficiently insulted by the old bowner. Gentlemen already... I consult my own feelings when I say that I am deeply annoyed to find on prematurely returning from town my niece and my ward lunching, without my permission, with these two young gentlemen. To meet Mr. Wycam's aunt. Spedigue with insulting disbelief. Indeed, I... Sir Francis, anger rising. There is no indeed about it, sir. I repeat, to meet Mr. Wycam's aunt... In my mind, it matters little. In my mind, it matters everything. Therefore... Kitty and Amy let go of Lord Fancourt's arms. Allow me to introduce you. To Lord Fancourt. Dona Lucia d'Alvadores. Mr... Aside to Jack. Uh, what's his confounded name, Jack? Spettigue. 
Spedigue aside. Donna Lucia. Sir Francis, finishing introduction. Mr. Spedigue. Spedigue, surprised, aside. The celebrated millionaire? The boys see the change. Lord Fancourt crossing to Spedigue. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? I am Charlie's aunt from Brazil. <laughs> Where the nuts come from. Jack pushes Lord Fancourt, who falls against Spedigue. Lord Fancourt tries to turn the fall into an awkward curtsy, then turns furiously to Jack. Spedigue aside. I've been indiscreet. To Lord Fancourt. Oh, I am sorry. Very, very sorry. Charlie goes up round back of center table. Takes Amy back to luncheon table. She sits in same place again. Jack aside to Lord Fancourt. Go on, he's apologized. Ask him to lunch. Jack takes Kitty back to luncheon table, same place. Lord Fancourt to Spedigue. Well, I thought you were very rude, but if you apologize, you know. Spedigue quickly. Oh, by all means, I'm sorry, I am very sorry. You stay to lunch, won't you? Brasset down left, takes hat and stick from Spedigue. If you wish it, and I am forgiven? Forgiven? Takes flower from dress. Yeah, except this is a peace offering. Puts Sir Francis's flower into Spedigue's coat. Orchestra starts playing curtain music very softly, which swells to full volume as curtain falls. Sir Francis, indignantly. My flower. Crosses to Lord Fancourt and Spedigue. Charlie and Amy, Jack and Kitty seated as before. Sir Francis offers left arm to Lord Fancourt. Allow me, Dona Lucia. No, allow me. Offers right arm. Lord Fancourt hesitates, flutters eyelashes at them both, then chooses Spedigue's arm. They go towards chair right end of table. Sir Francis leaves them and goes up to chair right of table, which he holds ready for Lord Fancourt. Spedigue offers to take chair from Sir Francis. Between the two, the chair is drawn back, and Lord Fancourt sits on floor. The others rise with screams and exclamations. Tableau. Curtain. End of Act One, Part Two.